Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Turkey time for our American neighbors and the Dallas Cowboys looking like turkeys today on home turf losing 41-16 to Washington. Antonio Gibson, three touchdowns for Washington. So they go to four and seven. Dallas goes to three and eight. At four and seven, Washington is first in the NFC East. At four and seven, Washington is first in the NFC East. Now, Philadelphia beats Seattle on Monday night, they would jump back into first place because they would uh, get up to four wins and they have a tie as well. But it is the good old fashioned turtle derby in that division. Washington putting that way, putting that away with two touchdowns, seven seconds apart in the fourth quarter to get the victory. The earlier game today, Houston over Detroit, 41-25. Both those teams are four and seven. Deshaun Watson throws for 318 yards and four touchdowns. Will Fuller, the receiver for the Texans, six receptions, 171 yards and two touchdowns. So Houston, who is supported by our own Brendan Escott, gets in the win column there. Reports uh, coming out here that Lamar Jackson, the quarterback, for the Baltimore Ravens has tested positive for COVID-19. I see Ian Rappaport reporting that from the NFL network. Um, so this was the game that involving Jackson and the Ravens that was supposed to be played tonight would have been kicking off in a few minutes against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It got pushed back to one fifteen Eastern on Sunday. Haven't seen anything else about um, uh, anything else being scheduled, adjusted, postponed at this point, but we will uh, keep an eye on that. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Double E Radio 630 Shed. A Double E legend coming up between 630 and 7 tonight. Singor Mobley is going to be on the show. Also played for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I'm sure he was watching the game this afternoon and we'll get some memories of what it was like for him playing on Thanksgiving. Bob Stoffer is going to pop in tonight as well. I was just working on the quiz for Stoffer, just finalizing some details a few minutes ago. So the Alberta Junior Hockey League they uh, have announced, all right, we got we got to take a pause here because of the uh, regulations that uh, were put forth by the Alberta government earlier this week. So the AGHL bo- saying that the Board of Governors, and they did put out a statement last night around 9.30, about 90 minutes after Inside Sports concluded, the AGHL Board of Governors will meet December 19th to figure out a timeline and updated protocols for return to play. Uh, also, Eric Thurston's going to be on the show along those lines, head coach and GM of the Eaton Valley Thunder. He's coming up here in a few minutes. Now, the World Junior Camp has been suspended in Red Deer for a couple of weeks uh, as of Monday. So this was because of a couple of positive tests to players. So what happens if uh, if there are more positive tests? Is there a key date here that could affect whether or not players on Team Canada could participate in the tournament? Scott Salmond is Hockey Canada's VP of National Teams. There is a, a date of November 29th that is looming, and that is uh, any positive tests after that date 
would eliminate you from participation in the World Junior Championship. So I would suggest if we were to have an outbreak like this, it, uh, and not that it's an outbreak, it's two uh, positive tests, that the time is now and that we're able to adapt to it in a lot of different ways. All right, so there there you get the date, November 29th. If a Canadian player were to have a positive test after the 29th, he, he would not be able to participate in the tournament. So that's obviously coming up on Sunday. So keep that in mind here as we move along. Now, what's going to happen here? Well, pretty soon, in, in a couple of weeks, just over two weeks really, around December 13th, international teams are going to start coming into Red Deer and Edmonton to get ready for the tournament. Dean McIntosh is Hockey Canada's VP of Events and Properties. He was asked, how safe can this be? How are you going to keep it safe with the international teams coming in? You know, if you look at what we've done in Red Deer, and and I give all sorts of compliments to Alberta Health Services and to our team for putting together a great plan there. Uh, That plan was built in a protective environment. Um, We are putting in place in Edmonton what I'm going to call a, a more secure bubble environment for the event. Uh, for the protective environment in Red Deer, we had players travel commercially across the country into Red Deer. Uh, we put testing protocols in place, certainly, based on Alberta Health Services recommendations. But when you look at what we're going to do in Edmonton, I think those protective measures are much higher. Uh, and for a couple of key reasons. Uh, one, we do have international travelers. They will be required to test and quarantine for seven days prior to travel and test negatively during those seven days prior to travel. They will travel via charter into Edmonton, which is very, very different, uh, only with the other teams traveling. So they will be by themselves on a charter flight. And then when we get to Edmonton, we really have a three-tiered approach. Uh, First and foremost is we have a great uh, partner in DynaLife Labs who will do PCR testing on a daily basis. Teams will be in their rooms for five additional days, single rooms where they're being tested every day in their room. All participants will also have access to the Clear app their app allows them to do a self-assessment on a daily basis as well as temperature checks. And the third level of uh, support we have is through uh, a company called TraceSafe uh, and TELUS is allowing us to power that. And, and what that does is essentially we know where everyone in the bubble is at all times. And that may sound a, a little high level, uh, but our goal is to ensure that we know that the athletes and the administrators from each of the teams as well as those people delivering the bubble are in a very safe environment and are following the protocols that we put in place. Uh, so with that combined with the support we've had from both the federal and the provincial government, uh, we feel strongly about our ability to deliver a great event in Edmonton in December. Okay, so basically that they, they have the framework that the NHL and OEG use to get the Stanley Cup playoffs done in Edmonton in August and September. So they have a blueprint. They have to stick to it. They clearly have to be careful. They have to keep the bubble secure. Now, I think there, to me, there would still be a concern, though, because international players are not necessarily going through the same thing that Canada is going through in Red Deer. Some of them are playing with club teams throughout Europe and, uh, and may not be as insulated as they're trying to keep the Canadian players in Red Deer, even though there have been a couple of positive tests. But as he said, charter flights, staying in your room, all that kind of stuff. And that way they hope that they keep everybody safe look we know that there is no foolproof plan uh but we know that they're being pretty strict about following the rules and i think there's evidence of that just the fact that they just with the two positive tests here 
they're they're shutting down the camp. They're not just saying, okay, well, we're going to go forward without these other players or, or without those two players. They're moving forward without uh, anything going on at all. So that's the story from Red Deer. Uh, that's the story with Team Canada for now. And of course, as we've discussed yesterday on the show, that means no games this weekend. And that would have been the U of A Golden Bears taking on the Canadian Selection Camp roster in Red Deer, 6 o'clock both nights. Uh, Bob Stoffer, who's coming up later on tonight, sending me uh, an alert here. This would have been put out just as I was starting the show. Adam Schefter, who covers the NFL for ESPN, has said one source on Sunday's scheduled Ravens-Steelers game, quote, no way it can be played. Schefter also reporting about 15 minutes ago, four more Ravens tested positive and uh, one more staff. So uh, a much-anticipated game maybe won't be played this week. Now, we've had other games adjusted, and the Steelers are a team that have already had things moved around. So what? Had, there's a chance that maybe this game isn't going to be replayed. The NFL has said if we can't get everybody to 16 games, they might expand the playoffs from seven teams to conference to eight teams to a conference. So that's another offshoot of this storyline to keep in mind. Eric Thurston from the Drayton Valley Thunder when we get back. Darnell Nurse and... His teammates on the Oilers, his fellows in the NHL Players Association, still waiting, still trying to figure it out. When will the NHL season start? I think January 1st would be considered an extreme long shot date at this point. I can tell you that the Alberta Junior Hockey League season is currently on pause, hoping that they can resume sometime after Christmas. Eric Thurston is on the show, head coach and GM of the Drayton Valley Thunder, and of course, formerly the bench boss of the U of A Golden Bears as well, where he won a couple of national titles. Eric, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Reed. Thank you very much for having me back. Yeah, it's always good to talk to you. We've had some uh, some really good chats over the year. It's still one of my favorite interviews is when you, you came in uh, for an hour one summer and told stories about uh, oh. coaching in Budapest and, and over in Europe. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that conversation. Th- this topic, unfortunately, is not uh, is not as light as, as that one with the AJ here having to put their season on pause. Uh, how are you guys taking it? How are your players taking it? Well, you know, I, I think just the way everything has been, uh, you know, this year, it, it's just par for course. Uh, you know, we, we weren't able to finish off our playoffs uh, last year. We were able to beat Bonneville in the first round. We were set to play a very strong uh, Shirt Park Crusaders team. Uh, you know, and then fast track now, uh, we get uh, kind of almost uh, two and a half months of, of training camp, and, and our guys have been just, just phenomenal. We get uh, four regular season games in under the belt, and then uh, – uh, it just—it's kind of a little bit like uh, like Groundhog Day, but uh, you know we had our, our meeting with our players uh, today, and uh, you know we we've sent them home now for for the month, and uh, I think it's just everybody a chance just to, you know kind of re- recharge the battery maybe a little bit, uh, you know, and you know read just these things are just unfortunately out of everybody's control, and at, at the end of the day, I think we're just our, our league is doing what's right and what's safe and what's best. Uh, just so we can look down the way uh, come possibly uh, the end of December here and maybe get uh, our, our, our regular season back on track. But uh, we'll wait to see how everything shakes down with Alberta Health and uh, going forward. But needless to say, it's, it's, I'll be honest with you, it's that hollow feeling again that I just don't like to have, you know, uh, 
uh, getting ready or you know sitting around now and not not having to really do anything it's 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 really a tough time mentally uh, with that uh, going forward well and it is tough because I know the AJHL w- was trying to do a lot of things right with the, the cohort teams and limiting the number of fans in the building I think it was only 100 people could come in for a game and uh, I was kind of hoping when when Kenny made that announcement he might finish that sentence by saying except for the AJHL because they've been doing a good job but but unfortunately uh, that didn't fall in because I, I got the sense the league the players the coaches even you know parents and billets and everything were, were really trying to do their best to keep it going yeah, no, absolutely. And so how we had worked things in, in, in Drayton Valley, we had our, our team as, as our cohort, uh, and the guys were, were really good. Uh, and then we just had our billet families as, as our other cohort. So we were keeping it basically uh, within only kind of two groups. And uh, I know our guys uh, really kind of had uh, bunkered down, uh, you know, in, in Drayton Valley. Uh, so I was really proud of, of how we were you know, handling things. We certainly, uh, with the cleaning, like, uh, you know, once a week, we basically uh, gut clean it, uh, you know, our, our dressing room. Uh, we were doing a good job, certainly with the mass situation. So, uh, no, it's, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, you just have to really kind of take a step back, keep it in perspective, and just say, you know what, we have to do what is best, uh, you know, for the health of everybody. And, uh, you know, this was, a, I'm sure, a tough decision. But I agree. I was kind of, I, I, I sat glued to my uh, computer listening uh, to the address. And I was kind of hoping he'd say, yes, and the Alberta Junior Hockey League is still allowed to play. That would have been a funny little comment moving forward. Eric Thurston joining us tonight, head coach and GM of the Drayton Valley Thunder. How many how many seasons for you out there now, Eric? Uh, this is my uh, my third season. Uh, you know, our, our first season, we certainly uh, looked to change things around. But, uh, you know, now being my third season, like, uh, we've got a really, really good team. Uh, we've got uh, great kids. We've got kids getting lots of uh, NCAA Div-1 Div interest. Uh, no, we've, we've, I think we've moved that program uh, into, a, into a good place. And, uh, you know, been my third year. It certainly has gone by fast and it's been absolutely uh, wonderful three years so far, you know, being out in Drayton Valley. How have you found coaching the, the U-20 kids compared to your time with the Golden Bears and, and even your time? And I know you weren't in necessarily, a, you know, a hockey mad country when you were in Europe, but, you, you know, you're, you were coaching men and coaching adults. How, how do you find it with, the, with this age group? What are some adjustments you have to make? Well, um, I, I think just uh, more just starting with the basics. It, it's kind of funny, uh, but, you know, you get the U of A and, and you get spoiled uh, about it. It's just simply the ability to pass and, and to receive the puck, you know, is the first part. And, and then getting them to actually play play fast, play hard, and still be able to think the game of, of the structure, uh, of the systems you're, you're putting into place. And you, you kind of go in your first year, and, uh, you know, we, we really started, uh, you know, uh, w- with kids uh, just working on their skill development, uh, just kind of getting better every day of that aspect. Our second year, uh, we started to just to put our structure, our systems uh, in place. And now this year, we really can put everything in place where we feel we've got speed, we've got skill, we've got good hockey, you know, IQ players, and we're just able to just challenge them a little bit more, push them a little bit more, 
but uh, no, no. The biggest thing I, I think with these young guys is they're 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 always asking questions, and and the questions you've got to give them the answer, but you got to also let them know why that this is why we're doing this. This is our options. This is why this team is doing this, and we are going to counter. Uh, with this and uh, you know today's athletes have already kind of gone over after a game they they viewed everything on hockey tv uh, all their shifts they, they watch the other team coming up the next week so just the information highway to these guys is just phenomenal it's just it's a different level and and you have to keep up with it so it's been exciting challenging myself to get out of my comfort zone uh w- with all that stuff and uh but at the end of the day it's just uh you know, it's the the one thing that they really have in common with the U of A is great kids, and, and we've got a great dressing room, and I know that's a good formula for success. Yeah, well, uh, well, well said, uh, man. I'm trying to think back. Um, you know, it's interesting because when I was there, it, when I was in Lloyd, uh, one of the head coaches in Drayton Valley was Mark Howell, who is now yeah. at the at the U of C. I think you would have coached yeah. against. Did you coach against Mark? I think you guys did I overlap did, yeah. in Canada West. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We had some good battles. <laughs> yeah, I think I think one of his players shot the puck at you one night, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's, yeah, what's we, that we, yeah, we had scored in the second period uh, on a five-on-three, and I remember it distinctly. And and we had been working on this play of, of a double over and, and a fake pump, and we hadn't really done very much five-on-three uh, all year, and we we scored on it. Uh, and then uh, next shift, the the puck was coming at our bench uh, as fast as you could shake a stick at. So uh, no, there was lots of passion, lots of uh, old-time hockey still played with that uh, wonderful battle between the Dinos and the Bears. Yeah. Well, hey, Eric, I appreciate you checking in tonight and giving us the update on on Drayton Valley and and the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Uh, I know it's tough, but I hope you guys are back. And in the new year, we're talking to you and your players and guys from around the league about the season going on. Thank you so much for checking in tonight. No, Reed, thank you very much for having me on and uh, and stay safe. That is Eric Thurston. Always good to catch up with him. Head coach, GM of the Drayton Valley Thunder, the AHL AJHL going on pause. The Board of Governors are going to talk again on December 19th to see if they can figure out a timeline, update their protocols for return to play, and get the season going. Most teams have played between four and six games trying to get things going. Okay, we will catch up with Singor Mobley, former member of the Green and Gold, former Dallas Cowboy. Inside Sports rolls along on 630 Chet. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So there are reports indicating nothing confirmed from the NFL, but that Sunday's Steelers-Ravens game is going to be postponed because of 
multiple players testing positive for COVID-19 on the Ravens. We'll keep an eye on that story. That game was originally supposed to be played tonight, got pushed back to Sunday. The NFL games that are final from today, Houston over Detroit, 41-25, four touchdown passes for Deshaun Watson and Washington pulling away from Dallas in the fourth quarter to win at 41-16. At 4-7, and seven, Washington takes over first place in the NFC East. I am pleased to welcome back to the show uh, a guy who was absolutely outstanding as a linebacker for the double E football team for several seasons, two stints there in between. He played three years for the Dallas Cowboys. It is Singor Mobley checking in tonight. Singor, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing very well. It's nice to catch up with you. Before we dive into some of the football chat here, let people know where you're, you're checking in from and, uh, and how you're keeping busy these days. <laughs> Oh, um, checking in from uh, Palm Desert, California. Been down here for I don't know about eight years, nine years now. Uh, coach football for about five years at the College of the Desert. Now I'm just diving into uh, fitness and golf, and uh, you know, working over at the PGA Tour Superstore as a club fitter. Oh wow! Uh, and are are you playing a lot of <laughs> golf too? And if so, are you any good? Yeah, I'm playing a lot of golf. Uh, my game is getting better. Uh, I got a tournament coming up here with Grant Fuhr down here, so um, so that should be fun. I think that's on December 12th uh, and 13th uh, with some of his his good buddies. You know, I mean, I'm pretty sure Edmonton has heard of a guy by the name of uh, Wayne Gretzky, so he's going to be there and some other guys, and so it should be fun. <laughs> All right, so you got a golf tournament coming up with some other Edmonton sports legends. So that sounds pretty good. And Grant, obviously, as you know, is an outstanding player. I, I don't know if you played with him before. Oh yeah, he is. He is. We we play uh, every about every two weeks, you know. Uh, and he's he's really good, really good. So, but yeah, it's, it should be fun. It should be fun. I got a chance to play around with Grant, uh, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago as part of a media day getting ready for a, a, a PGA of Canada event, the McKenzie Tour event here in Edmonton. And Grant's hitting shots, and he's, like, frustrated because he didn't hit the exact part of the green that he wanted to. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, my God, if I hit that kind of a shot, I, I'd walk off the course and retire, go out on a high note. <laughs> yeah, that that's Grant, though. I mean, you know, I mean... When you're a champion like him, everything is precise, and uh, you know it, it changes. It, that's just part of him. So uh, hopefully, I can get my game like that eventually. Well, as you know, it's not golf weather here. You know all about Edmonton at, at this time of year. So I'm glad you get out there right. enjoying the the lakes in a warmer climate. Uh, I, I I saw your Twitter account, so I'm just going to ask this, and maybe. Um, Maybe it's good we're not doing this in person and there's nothing you can throw around the room. Uh, did you watch the Cowboys game today? Yes, I did watch that game today. Um, you know, uh, not a very exciting uh, football game. Um, you know, they're they're having some issues over there. So, it, you know, from injuries to players play and, um, you know, I get, the list can go on, uh, but yeah, they're not. They're not. I mean, on paper, they're a good team, but on the field, they're not a good team. 
Well, and you mentioned the injuries. I mean, Prescott got hurt, and uh, I mean, Dalton's doing right. what he can, but then then he got hurt as well. Did, I, I, I don't know if you stuck around right to the end of the game, but did you see the fake punt they tried deep in their own end? Yeah, yeah, I saw that fake punt. Uh, <laughs> sort of reminds me of a time of the Eskimos that tried a fake punt in the playoffs. So um, I don't think it was a necessary thing, but, you know, I mean, I, the way the way I look at the or uh, the Cowboys, it's you know you get you got a running back that you're paying ninety million dollars to, and he doesn't even get the ball that much. So you know that that's you know Dak Prescott goes down, he should be the next guy up, and they're not giving him the ball like they should. So do you think that affects player morale or has guys whispering in the locker room that, like you said, he's got the big ticket? We're talking about Elliot, obviously. He's got the big ticket, mm-hmm. and maybe they're not using him to the extent and, and letting him be the, the lead horse. Does that affect, you know, even guys on defense on the team? I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think I think it should. I, I, I think it does affect uh, the defense morale, uh, especially if they're passing the ball a lot. That's gonna make that break that you get a lot shorter. Um, instead of, you know, we can run the ball a little bit, gain a little, gain a little momentum. Um, I've been around a few offensive linemen in my life, and the one thing that they really don't like is pass blocking. You know, they want to be on the aggressive, and you know, they want to punish the defensive line. And if you're passing the ball a lot. They don't get that opportunity to, um, you know, they're always on their heels and they're always absorbing punishment from the defensive line. And I don't know anyone that plays football that likes doing that. When, when you played for the green and gold, uh, you know, and obviously you guys uh, won the cup in 03 and 05, almost won it in 02, uh, you know, you couldn't quite get back there in uh in 04 and that's the game with the fake and punt I, on and I almost won it in I almost won it in 96 too so well you should have <laughs> it should have yeah, been a fumble I was on that team too right exactly so that's right <laughs> well we, we we did a lot of great we went you would have enjoyed the show last week we went all the way back to uh bill smith who played in the 50s and had interviews mm-hmm. with uh guys from different eras brian kelly was on uh bowman and stafford were on from the more recent team but I, right. from that 02 to 05 era who was it? I mean, look, you know, Ricky and Jason were star quarterbacks. You were a star linebacker. You had a lot of great players. But who who set that tone physically? Where you, where if a guy you saw out there dishing out hits or being tough in the trenches, who's who set the tone physically on those teams? You know what? I mean, it was across the board. It didn't matter what position you were. I mean, you know, you had Ed Hervey as a receiver that didn't take anything from anybody. You know, you had our defensive line that, didn't take anything from anybody, you know, or defensive backs. I mean, you had Donnie Brady that, you know, he'll shut someone down. Um, you know, you had Mike Pringle in the backfield. I mean, you know, it, it didn't matter. It was when you're A.J. Gass, when your name was called to step up and oppose some will, your name was called, and no one shied away from it. It was, okay, today's my day, you know, and – across the board that 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 was everyone that was that was just the way we were i mean we all we all 
pick that up amongst ourselves to, hey, I'm the one that's going to do it. You want to follow? Follow. If you don't, don't. You know? I mean, I think that was just, and I think that's just an Eskimo thing. You know, it, it started, like, even when I was a rookie, you know, learning from Willie Pless and Larry Ruck, Benny Goods. Um, you know, I mean, those guys were, as we say, bone, Brotherhood of Nasty Eskimos. Yeah. You know, that was it. That was it. You know, you bring your sledgehammer, your lunch pail, and your hardener hat, and we go to work. Well, I love all the great players you're, you're referencing, and I'm, I'm flashing back, especially the 03 and 05 teams. And yeah, I love watching Donnie Brady on defense. Uh, I, I forgot to mention I had Giz on the show last week. Who, uh, <laughs> right. who, full half hour. I didn't have to say much. It was great. Uh, <laughs> Giz, said, Giz said once in Regina, an elderly lady called him over during warm-up. And Damon Allen said, you gotta go, you got to go talk to the old lady. She wants to wish you well. And Giz right. went over there, and she said, "If you run a touchdown back on this field, I'm going to beat the crap out of you with my cane." <laughs> <What's>, <laughs> what, what do you do? You have a moment of interaction with an opposing fan that uh, they they tried to trash talk to, or they said something that stuck oh, with you? Geez. You know, I think I don't know. This is I want to say Hamilton. Hamilton was always a good place to get trash talked by the fan, just because uh, you know where the bench was and how the stadium was made. Um, you know, we'd sit underneath the stadium. So you hear the fans always in your ear. Uh, so I would say Hamilton is probably the best place where you're talking back and forth with, with the fans because they're so close. Um, Regina is also another place. Those are two places I would say that you you interact with the fans a lot and a lot of trash talking amongst each other. Well, they had, like Hamilton had the we're talking about the old stadium I ever went, obviously where right. it seemed like those the the cement walls were like five feet off the sideline. I don't know if they, they were actually that close, but ever a guy yeah, would run under bounds. It looked like you'd get hit harder by running into the wall than you would by any player. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it literally, it, you know, it, it was that close. And, uh, you know, if I recall, everyone's on, all on the same sideline. So, <laughs> you know, you know, you got them down a little bit of ways and our team down at a little bit of ways. And it, 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 it was just, you know, and literally this, the wall was really, really close. So, you know, so you get some guys that run into that thing or slam into it. You know, it, it can cause some cause some pain. Singer Mobley joining us then on Inside Sports, former member of the Double E, former Dallas Cowboy. You know, I, when I'm watching the NFL, I, I just want to throw this at you and and see if uh, you think I'm onto something or or if you think I'm barking up a, a, the totally the wrong tree here. But I'm watching the NFL the last few years, and they got quarterbacks who are rolling out, who are scrambling for yardage, who are getting out of the pocket you know, uh, offensives with speedy players trying to get outside and get around the corner. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. uh, this, the CFL has been doing this for 30 or 40 years. Is the NFL just catching up with the type of athletes they have at quarterback and the way they're attacking a little bit? Well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go back a, a little ways. Uh, when the Rams had the best show on turf, remember that? Yep. time when you know 
had Marshall Falk as running back, Hakeem and Bruce and Warner as quarterback. That was the closest thing you could get to CFL football. That was CFL football in the NFL. Just think about it. You have a running back in the backfield that can come out and catch or can run the ball. You had wide receivers that can catch. The only thing that they couldn't do is run towards the line of scrimmage. You know, so I thought I consider that that was CFL football at its finest because what are you going to do? You're going to put a linebacker on Marshall Fault? No, you're going to have to bring in a, a defensive back to cover him. But what if they run the ball? So they, they right. could do both. You know, that's CFL football. Yeah. At I guess it, you know, to, it's finer. To, to, to me, the only difference was Warner couldn't move around like Jackson and Mahomes and well, Russell no, Wilson no, can. No, 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 he couldn't. But, I mean, with that offense, he really didn't need to. Right. <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't need to run around. I mean, geez, I'll give it to Marshall Falk. I'll hit Isaac Bruce. But, you know, I'll, I'll hit Hakeem. I mean, wh- what are you going to do? I mean, that's typical CFL football. You know, I mean... You know, and then, I mean, as far as quarterbacks go, as far as Mahomes or, you know, you had had Damon Allen, um, you know, and like Casey Printers was another one, you know, that can run. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm missing tons. I mean, you know, all all the quarterbacks I played with or against could run the ball. Uh, you know, they're dual threats. So if I forgot anyone, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, the NFL is a, a little bit late on that, I think. All right. And, and three years with the Cowboys, tell us about playing in that Thanksgiving game, sort of the, the hype surrounding it, the tradition, sort of like Labor Day here. You know you're getting a game on that date. You just don't know who it's going to be against until the schedule comes out. Uh, what, what, are, what are some things that have stuck with you from playing on Thanksgiving in Dallas? Well, you know, I mean, for me, I've been a Dallas Cowboys fan ever since I was a little kid. So I would always watch them on Thanksgiving Day, um, you know, with Danny White, Tony Dorsett, um, you know, when I was a little kid. And so I, I mean, I think that's half of the reason why I, I was a Cowboys fan because they were always on TV, uh, when I was a little kid and, you know, so playing for them and playing on those Thanksgiving day games, I just knew how important that was, um, what it meant to, to the Cowboys, um, and and the city of Dallas, uh, you know, to play. I think I think my last uh, Thanksgiving Day game was against Dan Marino. I mean, like, wow, I got to play against Dan Marino on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> you know, so I mean, it's it's definitely an honor to play on that on that day um, because everyone's watching, um, and to wear that star in your helmet. It, you know, it doesn't come easy. Um, you know, it's a lot of competition to to wear that star. Uh, but you know, it was fun. It was great. Right on. And to play with the team and to play with the teammates that I got to play with. You know, <laughs> I mean, Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, uh, Deion Sanders. Uh, the list goes on. 
So, uh, you know, it, it, it was a great honor. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, uh, before I let you go, Bob Stoffer texts to say uh, hello, and he's still thanking you for coming on his Total Sports Show back in 2006. So there's a blast from the past. Uh, no. He's coming up next. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is Sigmar Mobley checking in tonight, former linebacker with the double E, and uh, he also played for the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and he had some memories there. I uh, love talking to him. Some pretty good memories of some great double E teams he played on. 02, lose the Grey Cup. 03, win the Grey Cup. 05, win the Grey Cup. And you can tell how highly he spoke of his teammates from that era and a little perspective there on uh, NFL offenses and how they attack. And I think he made a great point about, well, 20 years ago when you had the Rams with Warner and Bruce and Falk and how they started to attack a little bit like CFL teams had been attacking. 780-496-0063 if you would like to get in touch. Back after a quick timeout. Global News at 7. Good evening. I'm Thomas Dias. It's one degree. Well, another 1,077 new cases of COVID-19 have been found in the province and 10 more Albertans have died after contracting the disease and the intensive care numbers keep getting worse. There are now 84 people fighting for their lives in Alberta ICUs with a current total of 383 people in hospital suffering from the virus. 37,316 Albertans have now been fortunate enough to recover. And there are more questions around the provincial government's response. In her update today, Chief Medical Officer of Health Dr. Dina Hinshaw says she feels personally betrayed by recordings leaked to CBC News, seemingly showing a disconnect between policies regarding the pandemic and what health officials recommend. Dr. Hinshaw says the recordings were taken out of context. I have always felt that my ideas are respectfully considered. I have always had respectful discussions between public servants and with elected officials. I do not dictate every detail of each policy decision and I should not. I was not elected by Albertans. The final decisions are up to elected officials who were chosen by Albertans. This is how democracy works. Dr. Hinshaw says the health of Albertans is something she takes extremely seriously, adding there are no risk-free options when it comes to COVID-19. And on that note, Dr. Hinshaw says it's sometimes possible for COVID-19 to travel further than a typical six-foot safety net, especially when people are exerting themselves near one another for a prolonged period, like during a fitness class. I want to be clear that the current evidence indicates COVID does not spread through the same kind of long distances and long times that measles does. And the core recommendations that have been in place since the spring remain true. Stay home when sick, wash or sanitize your hands regularly, keep distanced, and wear masks indoors when around those outside your household. She says the evidence continues to suggest the main source of transmission is larger respiratory droplets that spread within a six-foot area. Well, teachers, parents, and grade 7 to 12 students are quickly preparing for a return to online learning. As of Monday, president of the Alberta Teachers Association, Jason Schilling, says the entire pandemic has highlighted the issues already existing 
in Alberta's education system. We have some issues in education, such as large class sizes, that need to be addressed, and we need to address those now because teachers are concerned about you know, COVID cases. They're concerned and have anxiety around making sure that their students are safe at school, and with added measures on that, they need assistance with that work. He's continuing to call for smaller class sizes, more educational assistance, and the hiring of more custodians to help teachers keep up with the rigorous cleaning demands of the pandemic. Well, arrests have been made with charges laid in connection with a gun incident on the city's southeast side that left a woman badly injured back on February 29th. It was around 1.30 that morning when gunshots rang out near 38th Avenue and 78th Street. Staff Sergeant Pierre Blaise says the responding officers heard more shots as they arrived. A subsequent search warrant was executed on a suspected residence involved in this incident, resulting in the seizure of a loaded, non-restricted, semi-automatic SKS rifle, numerous rounds of unfired 7.62 39mm ammunition, one prohibited overcapacity magazine, and one additional magazine. In all, bullets hit four homes, including one round that hit a woman in the leg who was asleep in her bed. She needed two surgeries to repair the wound. One of four suspects remains at large with an arrest warrant out for 24-year-old Nicosis Stevenson. Well, a group of suspected criminals unknowingly led police right to them, leading to a series of arrests on the city's northeast side. It started with a woman in the parking lot of a Holiday Inn in Sherwood Park who approached a male suspect who had been seen breaking into vehicles. Her phone was then stolen and the suspects left in a U-Haul truck, but police were able to track the vehicle to a home in northeast Edmonton, where they executed a warrant and found tools and other items associated with break and enters. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.